Just a quick note before we get started today. On Thursday, April 23rd, I'll be doing a live Zoom with the owner of Mission Taco, Adam Tilford, at 9.30 in the morning. We will be talking about entrepreneurship, operating a restaurant business, and the new location they're opening in Kirkwood. I'll post the link in the show notes and email it out. Now, let's get into episode four. Welcome back, pioneers. I'm Bryce Button, and you're listening to episode four of The Business Office. Today, we are going to be talking about what it's like to make a complete career change after you've graduated college, worked for a couple of years, and realized what you just spent the last four or five years studying to do isn't really what you want to do with the rest of your life. We will also parlay that into a conversation about how important finding your passion is and letting that guide your career choices. Joining us is another 2011 KHS graduate, Suzanne Hesse. Suzanne has graduated from the University of Arkansas in 2015 with a degree in finance and real estate. She then worked for J.B. Hunt for a couple of years as a sales manager and logistics coordinator, and then decided it was time for a change. Suzanne, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you. Well, to get things started today, let's do a little throwback to KHS. Um, let our listeners know a little bit about your time there and some of the things you were involved with and what you enjoyed doing most. Okay, um, I was a 2011 graduate, and while I was there, I um, played volleyball for Coach Goodman for the four years there. Um, those are some of my favorite high school memories, and I was um, involved a lot with Mr. Button and Mr. Nixon with DECA and taking all of um, the business courses with them. I thought that was what I was going to do for the rest of <laughs> my career, um, and yeah, I have nothing but great things to say about Kirkwood. Um, love my time there. My family's still there, so I visit sometimes to, to catch up. Uh, just a little side note, Suzanne probably wouldn't have bragged on herself, but she was actually uh, the first Kirkwood female to ever win at an international DECA competition. Um, she not only won at the state level, but then qualified for the final round at internationals in Orlando her senior year and then uh, made top 10. And I think you, I think you finished around seventh. Is that right? Something like that. Man, I almost forgot about that. <laughs> It was a very big uh, memory. We had another group uh, down there that same year that was on stage in top 10. And uh, but definitely um, that your guys' class set the tone. Maggie and, and Brad. Yeah, set the and tone. Charlie. What Becca was going to be like for the next decade. And yeah. I appreciate all the stuff that you guys did. We had a great year that year. So, yeah. um, so just a couple things. Um, Talk to us a little bit about where you're at right now and what you're doing. Okay, so I am now in New York. I am, am a flight attendant at United, but I'm in flight school also at a school up here um, to get my commercial license. So I'm finishing that up, um, getting close to the end of the road with that, and then the next step will be the airlines. Um, working as a pilot instead of a flight attendant for them, um, hopefully one day soon. And yeah, so I, I left Arkansas um, at J.B. Hunt, and then I called it my quarter-life crisis and <laughs> became a flight attendant. I don't know why. thought, oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Did that and, um, you know, then kind of got fed into the whole aviation industry thing and found what I wanted to do because of that. I didn't you know, ever have any intentions of going down that path initially. Cool. Um, I want to dig a little bit into some of those topics a little bit later, but 
since you are in the hospitality and travel and tourism industry, and that's kind of where you've been working for the last few years, yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what that looks like in the DECA space. We have a lot of listeners that um, have done DECA, that uh, compete in the travel and tourism or hospitality industries. And one of the things that DECA does every year is when they write new competitive event role plays is they always look at major events going on in the world and then write role plays for that. So I'm already thinking about, you know, prepping students for next year and you know across the board every one of these role plays is going to have a topic that's about when there is a virus that disrupts right. your industry right. as a manager, as a business owner, what do you do? How do you counter that if you're working in PR? Um, what are you seeing in this, the travel and tourism space? And do you yeah. have any tips for our uh, competitors next year as mm -hmm. they start to think about maybe going down their prep path? Yeah, they're definitely trying to put their customers at ease. Um, there's a lot of you know new changes going on, like silly things like no change fees, no baggage fees. Um, explaining how we're disinfecting our planes, explaining how our crews are screened, because now before a trip, we all have to get our temperature taken as we walk into the airport. So, and they're, they're making all this public. Um, and, you know, I think the whole point of that is to reassure the customers that they're safe with us. Um, you know, and then it's up to the customer to make a, a choice for them. But I think United's really focusing on that side of it. You know, there's, I think there's some issues that are out of our control just regarding the government in general. I mean, we can't just shut down like that. We can't make those decisions. Um, we can't just send all employees home, but they're trying to, you know, shorten staffing for, for shifts that don't, don't need it. They're trying to um, spread us out on the planes. They're trying to move passengers away from each other when there's the room. So the things that are in their control, they're definitely trying to do. Um, and I think a lot of it revol revolves around reassuring the customers that they're safe if they fly with us. Um, we're changing our service. We're not touching really anything. We're not opening anything. We're not, um, you know, giving them anything that could be like cross-contaminated. So, and, but, but again, like all of this is being sent out in emails to the customers and, and stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing with us is, is trying to, make sure that they're comfortable um, and, and re reassure them to fly with us during this. But, um, you know, as far as the cancellations and stuff, that's just kind of out of our control at this point. Right. One of the words that, as I've been reading a ton and over lots of different industries and business owners and just trying to see what kind of what's going on that I keep seeing places and it's what you just talked about, it's transparency. Yeah that there's just nothing more important than trying to be transparent right now. And the companies that are not being transparent are going to get raked over the coals. By well, they lose your trust with that, you know? Um, I think too, that's a good point because like they're sending us emails that are kind of hard to read because they're honest, you know, and, and they're not, they're not sugarcoating the fact that there might be furloughs, you know? Yep there's reduced hours for everyone across the board. The CEOs aren't taking their bonuses there because we got, a, we got a big um, uh, bailout from the government, I guess. But um, with that, they said you can't furlough until September. Right. But they're, they're not really, you know, they're being honest with us that when September comes, you know, we're going to have to reevaluate all this. So 
they're even being very transparent with their employees, which although it, it's hard to read and it, you know, is stressful, it definitely, I think is the right thing to do. If they were sending us all these sugar coated emails, nobody would be, everyone would be upset, you know, just tell me how it is. Right. Tell me what I need to prepare for. And so I do appreciate the fact that they're not really hiding that stuff, even though it's not happy news. Um, and they've been good about that. They really have. I Plus, think it's the first time for everybody. You know, they, they're honest about that. They're like, we don't have a rule book. Like, yeah. we don't know what steps to follow. We're all trying to figure this out. And you have to, you know, sympathize with that a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, everybody, I mean, every, everybody's house is trying to figure that out right now. Your right. kids are home with you and you all of a sudden yeah. you're, you're a teacher. Of a now you're a teacher. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a experienced teacher, but uh, teaching kindergartners is not experience wheelhouse. <laughs> it's been a little interesting for the last couple of weeks. Um, now, if they were all like my second grader and they all could do their own work for an hour on their own each day, yeah. then I'm all in on that. Be okay. uh, the other one, not so much. But yeah, I think the, the, the transparency lesson, um, you know, and, and I've heard a couple people talk about it and it's put people over profits. And if companies can really try to take that stance right now is take care of your people, whether those are your employees or your customers, mm-hmm. you know, we talk a lot in class and I, I did while you were there and I still do. We talk about like brand building. Yeah. And this, this is where companies really get a chance to try to execute on that brand that they've established and built. And right. if you've really built that gut feeling and you can, and right now is actually a time to capture that and earn lifelong loyal customers right um if you can do it right and take care of your people then right. you yeah because people will remember how will. whether they're the employee or the customer like they're going to remember how they were treated by your company during these terrible times like they might not remember when everything's smooth sailing but like how you treat them during this time you know that's something that they're not going to forget whether it's good or bad so um yeah i do definitely think that that's a huge um a huge thing for it because you know everyone kind of talks the talk, but they haven't really had to really prove it until now. So yeah, we're finding out what some people are really made of. That is yeah. for sure across lots of industries. And like right. there's no playbook and it's kind of, it's just a crazy unprecedented time. And so, yeah. and we still don't know what's going to happen. We're still a long ways from being done with this, I think, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit more about um, college and how you let's go we can transition a little bit how you ultimately decided that that business finance path was what you wanted to do let's just talk about like when you declared a major why you declared your major and then we can kind of work through some of your experiences that led you to um, heading into being a flight attendant okay so I went to Arkansas and as a freshman I was already in the business classes. So I guess I declare, I guess I, well, I didn't have to declare specifically, I think until my sophomore year, but freshman year, I was in the business college and then the specifics happened, um, sophomore year. So, um, you know, I kind of did it because I enjoyed it in, in high school, you know, um, was relatively decent at it. And I was like, okay, well, this is a good path. You know, this is what you're supposed to do. And I, liked it you know I thought it was interesting um so I was in the business college and at that point you know you took everything you took like all the basics marketing management finance da 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 you did like you know a little bit of everything 
And then sophomore year um, is when I had to declare. And I honestly wasn't really sure what I wanted to do um, because I kind of like just, you know, didn't have one specific that was like, oh, I love marketing or whatever. Um, and I talked to my older brother who also did finance and he kind of told me, well, if you do that, you kind of can still, you know, have a, have a big range of where it, you wanted to take you later on. He's like, it's a good, um, you know, base to start with and you can always add to it later on. But he found that it was very practical moving forward. So I thought, okay, that's what I'll do. And I continued on with that, you know, like the classes fine-ish, you know, some were challenging, some were easier. Um, and um, I liked economics too, actually, looking back, but I didn't go down that route. So, um, yeah, you know, I like the math side to it. And honestly, I kind of went through the motions, I think. Like, I kind of got into that circle, and I just kind of passed my classes, took my tests, you know, did well, called it a day. Thought, okay, this is the path I'm going on. And then um, I got an internship with J.B. Hunt my junior year. So I interned with them for two years and then I ended up continuing to work for them once I graduated. And JB Hunt is huge in Arkansas. Um, JB Hunt, Tyson and Walmart are all there and they pretty much recruit directly out of our business school. Um, you know, so I went to them and for people that don't know what JB Hunt does, will you talk a little bit about like what they do? I know. They're yeah. So, so they're, they're a big transportation and, and logistics company. They do, um, over the road, they do, um, uh, they do everything. They do, um, uh, rail, they do, um, cargo, they do pretty much every, um, aspect of transportation and they're starting to expand. Um, they're in Mexico, they're expanding. Um, and they, they're one of like the leaders, I guess it's them, CH Martin, you know, you've seen their trucks on the road, but there's also a lot that goes into that whole transportation realm. And then again, you know, with any company too, like they have a marketing department, they have a management department. So like, if you go to a company like that, you know, it's not going to just be transportation right. or whatever. So there's a lot of different paths too. once you get somewhere. And I could have stuck it out and changed courses, HR, you know, there's all sorts of stuff I could have done. So then I, am I talking too much? Nope, you're good. Okay. <laughs> so then I um, went there and again, like, I think maybe what people get stuck in is like the routine of it, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, okay, so this is what it is. I come to work, I work on my computer, I do these little projects. And, you know, slowly you advance and you might get, you know, promoted or you might get a different role. And then once I graduated, I was full time and um, kind of stayed in the same role that I was in before, but just like more in depth. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I, yeah, I think what happens sometimes is like you get comfortable with maybe your the salary, uh -huh. you get comfortable with. The routine of I, I know what I'm getting into at least you know I come here I do my computer stuff like did it bring me like so much passion not really right. was I good at it kind of like did I like my coworkers yeah you know it just kind of you get in the cycle it's safe it's safe, it's safe. And easy. yeah and then too it's like what you've been told you're supposed to do right 
right. And then I went to high, you know, I went to college for this and I was just kind of like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and then at one point I finally thought, okay, I don't want to do this every day for the rest of my life. Like I was 22, 23 maybe. Right. And I thought like, if I'm already dreading Monday through Friday <laughs> and like living for the, the weekend to finally come, right. that's not healthy. Um, and then I also kind of thought if I was going to leave, I needed to leave before I really started relying upon my salary. You know, I think that's another situation people get stuck in is if I would have bought a house or, you know, acquired all these new expenses based off of what I was making there, then you can't leave because now you have all these responsibilities that you have to pay for. So you can't just, you know, walk away. So I, I made that decision. I kind of was like, okay, here I am. Like I need, I either need to commit or I need to leave now before I get too sucked in to this life that I'm living. And then it's too much where I can't leave because now I can't you know, walk away from making any money. But if we were to pull people in America, I bet it would be more than half of the people would respond that they went through that and then they were stuck and not able to leave or they even still feel that way. Right. Wouldn't you imagine just based off of your conversations with adults and other colleagues uh, at this spot? You know, people go through the motions and. Yeah, that is for sure. So what was that? What kind of led you back to travel? Was it, you spent a semester in Spain? Is that true? Is that right? Do I remember yes. that? I um, did that second semester, sophomore year, okay. college, which might've been a smidge early. A lot of people do it junior year. So um, you can really do it whenever. I mean, you can do it senior year too, if you want, but um, I highly, highly, highly encourage that. Um, it's scary. <laughs> You're like, what have I done? Well, and you didn't, if I recall, you didn't do Spanish in high school either, did no, you? No, I did French. And yeah. then so <laughs> I took, so I took um, Spanish in college, I guess. Yeah, must have done that freshman year and the beginning of sophomore year. And um, I went to study abroad. And nobody, like none of my friends were doing it. And my brothers didn't do it either. So I, I don't really know why um i was like so um interested in doing that but I, I think pretty much every college has you know a division kind of dedicated to that and all you have to do is go there and get you know brochures and start researching where you can go and what each place is like and so i did do that and i took um college courses over there it was the same thing it was economics finances all that stuff but at a university over there um, and all that stuff transfers. So like, yeah, your semester might end up being a smidge bit more costly than it would have been if you stayed, but not extreme. And I think that's where people kind of get, um, you know, concerned because they think like, oh, this is some elaborate thing, but really you're, you're in school and you, all that credit, you have to, you know, double check all this, but all your credits come back. So there's like, you know, there's a lot of scholarships. There's a lot of really like good program set in place to encourage people to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's taken advantage of enough. And I, yeah. One of my biggest regrets in life was not even like, I never, it was never really even presented as an option yeah. for me. Um, it's much more popular now than it was when I went through college, you know, however many years ago that is now I'm old 18, 15 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, but 
you know, my life growing up was about sports and being, we always traveled all summer long for sports and athletics and, you know, international travel was just not something that was part of my, you know, upbringing. And it wasn't something I really ever, you know, kind of thought about doing until I met my wife. And um, she had been abroad right before she got done with college and before she started her first real job. She went with a group of friends and then she's like, I've got to go take you to do this. Mm -hmm. It it changed my life. Um, It opened my eyes to other people and other cultures and the way just how unique all the different um, places are in Europe. And I've got a whole list of places we still want to go. Right. Um, It's something I definitely recommend people take a look at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the hardest part is like the first time, like and then you get the bug and then it's not scary anymore. So, um, yeah. And I think, you know, it introduces people to a lot of like bigger things where you don't feel like so content with like the typical path, you know, like you're going to discover so much more and be like, no, I, I I crave that. Like I want to go do something bigger. I want to do, you know, something different. And, I think that kind of opens your eyes to it. So, and it's fun. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, like, it's pretty cool. It's really fun. So I definitely, if you're interested, you know, and I feel too, like, um, you know, it's so easy to be like, oh, but I have this going on this semester. Mm-hmm. So I can't, oh, I have this going on. Like you just have to go. Everything will be there when you come back. It will. It, 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 everything, we, all, we all think that the world revolves around us, but it really doesn't. Yeah, yeah it really doesn't. <laughs> Um, yeah it's it's one of those things we we just went back last summer for our 10-year anniversary we went back and spent a couple weeks in Italy and went to a bunch of parts we'd never been to and I'm we're ready to go back again yeah I know it's the stuff that you don't forget yeah for sure so as you kind of had that study abroad experience and then Mm -hmm. you tried as you started to make a decision how what was what led to the travel space and being a flight attendant like what you didn't, you talked about not knowing you felt stuck. It was time to make a difference and a change. Like why was the change for you? Well, I, okay. So I got to that point where I had to decide and in Arkansas, my lease was up. And so it was either leave or do another year. And so that was kind of like my, that was my deciding point. You know, I was like, I have to make a decision for this month. And, um, so I decided to leave. This was another thing. I thought if I don't leave now, I'm not going to leave. So I decided to leave and I went back home to St. Louis. That's where my family is. So I moved out of Arkansas, which I'd been at for my four years of college and then my two years after. So I, you know, kind of been settled there. So I moved out back to St. Louis um, just super temporarily. Like I didn't get an apartment there or anything. I just went back home. Um, and I was only there for like a week or so before I started down this path because I kind of thought, well, I guess that was another thing. I kind of thought, well, if I'm going to do this whole office life, I might as well do it in St. Louis. At least my family's there. Right. So I, I kind of came home thinking maybe I would do that. I was kind of looking online. Nothing was really like interested me. Then I ran into, you remember Mary Kleist? Uh-huh. She's a flight attendant. Okay in DC. I ran into her parents. They live across the street from my house. Okay. And I thought, I said, Hey, what's Mary up to? And they're like, Oh, she's a flight attendant. 
And I just like, that was the light bulb. I was like, that's what I'm doing. It was like, like, that was it. I was like, that's awesome. So, I mean, literally that night I'm online applying. And then a couple of days later I had, it was kind of like a Skype interview. I had a Skype interview. And then a couple of days later, they flew me to Houston to do an in-person. And then literally like one week later, I was sent off to training for it. Like I didn't even have time to really like think, do I really want to do this? Like it happened so fast that um, I was like, okay, I just kind of kept following along. And then all of a sudden I was in training. And then all of a sudden I was sent to New Jersey and it was just like this whirlwind. But you know, with this, like you have people from all sorts of backgrounds. Like we've got, you know, ex-military people, we've got everything. I mean, literally nurses, teachers, all sorts of people who come here because they wanted to do something else. Uh And it's so interesting because like, I mean, literally you've got every mix of every type of person. Um, so yeah, so I did that. Um, then. So how long have you been doing the flight attendant thing? Um, almost four years. Okay. And you're with United, right? I'm with United. I'm based out of uh, Jersey. So I lived in Jersey for a while and now I live in New York, but you know, it's so close. So, um, for almost four years, but I started flight school last year. Okay. So now you're training to be a pilot. Yeah. All right. Tell me about the first time that you went up in a plane. <laughs> okay. You were behind the wheel. You were behind the whatever the controls, not the wheel. This, this scares Mr. Bunton. <laughs> if you want to fly us somewhere, we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Okay. So with that whole thing, man, when I have to say all this out loud, I sound like a scatterbrain. You're not. It's the way people's lives really work. And it's golly. Okay. So when I kind of got that idea in my head, this is the thing too. I get an idea and I am like all in. You and me, that's the way I've always been as well. I still have that. Like, I don't think about every what if I'm just like, yep. Okay. We're doing it. So I got that bug probably like last, like probably like October of 2000, whatever, like a year and a half ago, probably. Okay. And um, they called a discovery flight where you can go to a school and just go up for like a quick, like 30 minute or hour flight mm-hmm. and just get like the super basics. Gotcha. Like, really I mean they don't really teach you much they just kind of you know take you up there to see because some people get up there and they don't like it like they think they're gonna like it but it's not like being on a jet you know like this is a little plane so they get up there and they're like heck no not for me which is the point because before you invest all this time and money into something like you need to be sure that you not even be sure you just gotta kind of think that you're gonna like it no one's sure about anything yeah, it's too bad the rest of our careers and, and options don't work like that too. Right? I know, like I mean, a test drive. Yeah, if we should, we could have like a little apprenticeship or a little opportunity to do more shadowing and internships. Yeah. Then people would be like, that's for me or no, that's not for me. I don't need to go to college for the next four or five years and waste a bunch of time and money. Right, and I wish that could happen before college because after college, you're like, oh, okay, now I have my degree. Now I, um, whatever, now I have to You've got this. student debt, you've got responsibilities right. financially and... Yeah, this really should be happening. This should be happening like junior, senior year, which I know is like kind of like 
you're trying to like, you know, do all that and give them um, more of like an accurate idea of everything. Um, but yeah, I feel like internships before college would be so beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, so you're yeah, in the plane for the first time. Yeah, so I did that. Was, and I was like, this is awesome. For, it must have been for you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so cool. Um, my brother actually came with. Okay. He sat in the back seat. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. Um, and so, yeah, so then I started taking lessons and yeah, that's how it goes. You take tests, you take, le- you know, you do lessons, you take, um, it's called a check ride. It's with like a, um, somebody who's authorized to, by the FAA to, you know, do these. And so you do all that stuff and, um, and yeah, and so the end goal is the airlines, which is getting closer. Um, but you know, I, I kind of like, so this is the thing though. Like I, I never, if you would have told me in high school, oh, one day you're going to be a pilot. I would be like, what? You know, like, I mean, it was never on my radar. A lot of people, like maybe their family members are in the industry right. and they, they grow up. Like there's people, you know, who go to um, Embry-Riddle and stuff. Like they, they know they're going to do that aviation path mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, but I had not one clue. I mean, that was not, that was the farthest. So then, but it's just funny, right? How like one thing leads to the other and like, here's your now, like, you know, now you're where you want to be. And it's, you can't decide all that when you're 18 and you're going to college. Um, and so I feel like part of it, you just have to like trust your gut with it a little bit. And if you are not happy, like you have to walk away from whatever career it is because you have your whole life to go back to do, you know, something like that. Like you can always, always go back to those jobs, those jobs. Like they will always be there. So if you have like this little bug in your head, that's like telling you like, I want to try this, like then go do it now. Even after you have your degree, you're never going to regret having your degree, especially a business degree. Like that will never be like, darn, I wish I didn't get that, you know? So regardless of what path you end up staying on. And even if it is like in the, that industry, that's great. Like, but um, there's so many other options that, you know, you can be led down just by kind of going with the flow. I feel like lots of people think that it's like a sign of weakness or, um, you know, a mistake or incompetence if, oh, I went to school for this, but now I'm not doing that. Yeah. But I also like from my experience with talking to employers and bosses and just companies, they actually actually, they appreciate that, that people yeah. were able to be honest enough and genuine with themselves enough that they could say, you know what, that was not the right path for me. And mm-hmm. to change, like you said, is bra- it's, it's, it's brave and yeah. it's, it's scary and it's hard to do. And if you're willing to do that because you aren't happy, I think that employers and companies actually value that just as much as somebody who's willing to kind of stick it out too. Right. I agree with that for sure. Um, I think, yeah, like I think there might be some like, like kind of like outsiders being like, what are you doing? Like you're so like, you know, you don't know what you mean. Your parents might feel like that. (laughs) Oh man, they're exhausted. (laughs) I told them, I said, I want to, I want to learn how to scuba dive. I worked with a flight attendant who is a scuba diver. And my dad said, can you just keep your feet on the ground and your head above the water? Flying in airplanes. I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) So, um, I do agree with that. Um, but I think you got to kind of put your ego aside a little bit with that and, you know, be confident enough in your own 
choices that you know if you want to switch switch if you yeah. want something else yeah i love it i think that you know it's something that i always talk to my kids about um is you've got to continue to get those experiences yeah until you have experiences you don't know if you like it and you don't know if you don't and so the mm -hmm. only way to find out is to do things yeah i encourage you know i'm not really teaching personal finance anymore but when i used to teach personal finance <clears throat> one of the things we always talked about was the kirkwood community is full of all kinds of very talented people that are in all kinds of industries and careers around the st louis area mm -hmm. i encourage people to ask their parents and their neighbors like what do you do and can i go shadow you for a day right obviously nobody's going anywhere right now to do any right. job shadowing but that doesn't mean that you can't start working on your network and over the summer go to a couple different places of work and see what it looks like go shadow for a half a day because you'll know real quick mm -hmm. uh, when you walk in like oh this is really cool or this looks miserable. It's right. kind of like when you go to a college campus, you're like, this is way too big for me, or this is way too small for me, or I cannot wait to get here. Like, you right. know, in your gut. And so that's one of the things that you know, I just want to encourage our listeners to continue to think about is continue to have experiences and find out, yes, that's for me. No, that's not for me. And then continue to pursue different paths as we move forward. Yeah, I definitely think that um, that's like the only way to know. Um, it, I, I will say, like, I feel like it is difficult to kind of start. Like, I, like, I feel like it is the first one's the hardest, right? Yeah. Like they, like the, these young, like high school, like, you know, cause when you're starting what you're 16, 16 ish, um, 15 is 15 ish. And so like, I, like, I feel like that is difficult, especially like if, you know, you can't go to like a parent's office or something like if they do something that's kind of different, like, so I wonder if there's like a way to. I don't know, kind of like start that path for them. Like there, there's a couple of schools that do some things like that. They have like these shadow programs, but yeah. they place, you know, a hundred or more students, but it's the management of it to be able to place a hundred kids in a hundred different. That's a lot. Places. Yeah. It's not, not just one on one. It's a big ask. Yeah. And so that's why schools don't really get into it is mm -hmm. it's it's a lot of resources mm -hmm. to kind of carve out to be able to make happen. And yeah. when they look at what their job is, and their job is to make sure kids are passing classes and scoring well on tests and moving right. on to the next thing, it's hard to sometimes allocate those resources. I would love to do it. I, I think it'd be so cool to right. get our students, you know, in to shadow opportunities and yeah. do some, doing some things like that. Um, I agree. Rockwood actually does it in St. Louis and they've got somebody that that's their full-time job yeah. and they do it. They've got a great program. It's really cool, but it's pretty intense. It's hard to, hard to manage. Right. And if not, then, you know, I guess really just got to keep encouraging them to, to do it on their own to, I mean, you yeah. could like, you could call, you could call up any company and be like, yeah. you know, can I talk to somebody in, and try to set it up and the worst they can tell you is no and probably a lot of people are going to be really impressed that you're doing that in the first place so be happy to have you yep if you've got a connection it always makes it easier and yeah. most of our students parents have got connections your neighbors right. have connections and so you really don't have to go very far outside your just really tight network right find some experiences you just have to be willing to do it yeah Awesome. I've got a couple wrap-up questions for us. Uh, appreciate the conversation today. So one of the things I like to ask all our guests is um, what, what podcasts do you listen to? Where, where do you get some 
fun or education or information uh, for your daily life to stay safe? Okay, well, the one that I like for fun <laughs> that has nothing to do with any of this is Crime Junkies, but one that um, I like for my aviation world um, is called The Finer Points, and they just kind of go through all different topics, you know, just like a normal podcast, just all sorts of different topics, um, but it's educational, and it's also just kind of interesting and just kind of keeps, you know, you up to date with the industry. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely good to kind of stay on top of that stuff um, in an industry you're interested in. I wouldn't say like fret about knowing everything that there is to know, um, but it's definitely good to kind of stay in the loop with what's going on with, you know, whatever industry you're interested in the most. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thinking back to Kirkwood, who was your favorite <laughs> teacher or coach throughout your four Okay. Career? Well, Coach Goodman is amazing um she I, I don't think I ever took her class her her class but um whatever she was my volleyball coach for um four years and she is one of those that you know would be on us if we weren't getting grades or behaving like it wasn't just about sports and so I think um you know that's kind of like the best thing like she was definitely keeping her eye on us and making sure that you know we were all going down a good path um and I think she's very good at that so um yeah she's definitely like one of my lifelong coach slash um you know more like friends now at this point um babysat for her kids babysat for your kids <laughs> yeah, Suzanne, um, Suzanne watched Kate the fr first summer that she was born while I was still doing the football thing I was at yeah. every morning and weight rooms and Suzanne definitely uh, helped us raise Kate that first year a lot. Yeah. So. She was a little baby doll then. She couldn't, you know, she, she wasn't mobile yet. So she just sat there and looked <laughs> cute. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah. And, um, you know, with the whole DECA thing, like, obviously, you and your students, like, you know, build more of a relationship other than just the classroom. Um, and so I think those teachers that you have, like, that can kind of help you with life in general and not just, like, you know, projects and tests and schoolwork and lessons like those are the teachers that you you know will, will always stay in touch with absolutely we appreciate um being able to stay in contact with you guys and watch and follow you throughout your careers it's it's, yeah. a, it's a joy for us as well all right and one last thing uh favorite memory from high school anything that really sticks out at you obviously it wasn't being on the stage at nationals if you forgot about that i didn't forget about it but i forgot about seven <laughs> i couldn't remember i was like oh, i don't know Dang. <laughs> um, I probably forgot about that because I was mad that it was <laughs> You weren't first, yeah. <laughs> um, Actually, I do think I remember you being a little disappointed when you came I probably out. was. I'm so competitive. I was like, <laughs> um, we'll say top 10 because then you don't know which number it is. <laughs> um, I think volleyball, honestly. Like, those are like my best girlfriends um, and, you know, coaches and it's like so much more than just like the, the game, you know, like when you look back. So um, I think that's definitely like my um, probably like favorite overall thing out of high school. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, Suzanne, it's been great having a conversation with you today. I appreciate you joining us today and um, best of luck to you and let us know when you're officially in the air and on your own and 
don't know if you want to take us on vacation. Maybe we can. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you trust me. <laughs> right, we'll see. We'll get, you, get some practice first. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on episode four of the business office. Reminder, I'm doing something different on Thursday's episode. We'll be doing the live Zoom with Adam Tilford, the owner of Mission Taco. We'll be talking about entrepreneurship, operating a restaurant business, and a new location they're opening in Kirkwood. I'll email the link out in the Zoom on Wednesday. In the meantime, don't forget to follow and subscribe on SoundCloud or Spotify. I'm Bryce Button, and thanks for joining us in the business office.